It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And special podcast. I told you it was coming. I told you last week it was coming. We call her the, Gre- the Queen of Green Bay. She does not call herself the Queen of Green Bay. She is the Vice President of Marketing and Fan Engagement and everything else. I list off her responsibilities and ask her how she's time to do anything else. It's Gabrielle valdez Dow from the Green Bay Packers. Gabrielle, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Fa- uh, Queen of Green Bay, is that something that you'll be putting up on your door in Lambeau Field? No? Gosh, no. Gosh, no. Uh, I wish I had a good joke to say that, but um, no. And don't tell my husband either. He, he, yeah. He'd kill you. There'll be a, there'll <laughs> like be a, a, a tiara waiting don't for you. Don't make your head home. any bigger than it is. <laughs> yes. Well, look, Gabrielle, thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, we know you well from going to Green Bay. You come over to London. Uh, there was the Packers Life documentaries. And you were telling some fantastic stories. I don't know how many were on and off the record. I don't know. I just know that it was just a hilarious uh, good time. We thought we were going to get, hi, I'm Gabrielle on the mic. And then you'd sort of hand it over. But just everyone just wanted you to stay up and they didn't care who we were. So that was awkward. But look, when I talk about you being busy, let's just talk about your responsibilities and just let people know who you are. So on the Packers.com website, it says that you're... Uh, the Vice President for Marketing and Fan Engagement, which is us guys. Um, and you do retail operations, digital and broadcast, mm-hmm. marketing, brand engagement, business research and analytics, running out of breath, and game presentation. Gabrielle, how do you have time to do anything uh, outside of the Green Bay Packers? Is your life just manic wall to wall? Typically it is, but you know what? I have a really great group of people that we work together on all of this. So I have a great team. Um, and uh, from Joan Macheski to Craig Schilbauer to Peggy Probelski, um, I have three fabulous directors that lead, lead wonderful teams. Uh, and, and so we really collaborate and work together. And it's not a job. I don't think about it as a job. So, you know, we're all inspired to um, to work hard and, and, and do great things for the team. And, and we really kind of follow that mantra here. I think you and I have talked about it. It's stewardship, leaving this place better than when we got here. Mm. So, um, and then, you know, and, and working for a leader like Mark Murphy makes it so easy to, to, to do your job well and to do it right. Uh, because, you know, he just, he just sets the bar an example of, of, um, and you know, this, um, he's been on, on your, on this podcast and, and even when you see him in person and, and, you know, and quite frankly, he's the only president I know that walks around an opposing team stadium and says hello to his fans (laughs) and, and tell our fans. Yep. Yeah. I mean, mean, like from talking to you from the very outset and people can hear it now on the podcast, you really do love what you do. But before we get to the challenges of your job, the stuff that you like about the job, I'm going to put you on the psychiatrist's couch just a little bit, right? And this is what I do with the players when we have them on and Mark Murphy when we had them on, is that we like to bring you back a little bit. Uh, Gabrielle, what strikes me, and I do want to get into it uh, in a little while, is the fact that uh, you're a powerful female executive in what from the outset looks like a mainly male-dominated sport. And that fascinates me uh, to begin with how you got there. But you didn't grow up in Green Bay. You grew up in San Fran. Like from a young age... And I'd love you to talk about your dad uh, because I know about it, but the, the listeners don't know. I mean, you work and you live and breathe NFL. What impact did that have on you as a kid? I mean, how did you get there? Ha! Huh. So, um, 
Well, I, I never, I never, and uh, never thought I would be in sports. This was not the job I was looking for uh, when I gradu- graduated from college or graduated from business school and law school. Um, in fact, uh, actually, I graduated from college, um, uh, English and journalism um, major, so a bachelor yeah. of arts. And then um, got a job right away at Macy's in the buying office. So Macy's is a large department store over here, not as cool as Harrods and or whatever you have <laughs> over on, on across the pond, but um, but just a large department store um, brand over here. And uh, and that was some great experience. And then and my dad just kind of forced me and said, you have to go to law school. Please go to law school. And so I did, and actually I went to law school to become an FBI agent. Really? And, uh, and yeah, didn't. And so I actually got accepted into the program, and um, and but couldn't afford it because the the kind of salary or stipend they gave you for um, for the summer was my airfare back and forth. Okay. So I would have had to take another job while there. So I, I clerked in the summer um, back, home, back home in San Francisco and clerked at a law firm and uh, went back to my boss at Macy's in the buying office and said, hey, how do we become a buyer? I think I'm going to get back into fashion after um, – I don't know if this law thing is the right thing for me. Yeah. And she said, well, go get your MBA. And when I got my MBA, I, or I went and joined the program, they had a sports marketing concentration. So typically, as you know from an MBA, you can pick HR, finance, marketing in general, and, and they happen to have a sports marketing con- concentration, and there was one spot left. So I applied for that spot and uh, was accepted. And and then basically when I got into the program, um, they really pushed internships. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say that enough for anybody out there wanting to be in the sports business is you have to start usually from the bottom, intern wherever you can, whether it's selling tickets, whether you're in sponsorship, whether you're in events, just intern. And so I started interning. And my first job, um, actually, I got the job because I was doing both law school and business school. And the um, Portland Trailblazers, a basketball team in Portland, NBA team, was looking for a law clerk. Okay. And so they went to the sports marketing department looking for a law clerk. And I was the only one in the MBA program that was also studying to be a lawyer. So um, so I would drive an hour and 45 minutes north. I was in Eugene, Oregon, drive an hour and 45 minutes north to Portland. And I would work um, Thursday through, say, Sunday night for them and then drive back Monday morning and uh, continue on, on with school. And I did that for um, my final year at Oregon. And uh, and so my internship with the legal department kind of ended in three months, and the PR department was like, oh, my gosh, she can write. Let's yeah. let's ask her to work for us. So I stayed longer than I had thought and really enjoyed the experience, which led me to Staples Center and opening Staples Center and working full-time in sports after I graduated. Because you worked for the Lakers, right? That was at that stage, and then you did yeah, two years with the it, NHL's uh-huh. Flower of the Panthers, and then... You went yep. on for the Baltimore Ravens, did eight years there as the VP of marketing. So you've always been a very, very busy woman. But when <laughs> it, it, what strikes me about your story, and I didn't know that, that's just blew my mind first off I still think secretly you're a secret agent uh, first off uh, and you're still with the FBI um, but is that like you didn't imagine that so your dad was trying to get you to be a lawyer you didn't imagine that sports would watch you go into but you're, the, you said it to me uh, before the call the, the apple doesn't fall yeah. far from the tree right your dad was into American football right and he played with some pretty big names yeah so I, I obviously got my uh, drive in um, from my father um, in a sense that uh, he actually um, 
was a, uh, a Long Beach lifeguard. So he was a guard in Long Beach, hmm. and then the Korean War happened, and he was a frogman. The Navy scooped him up, and uh, and he was a frogman for the Korean War, wow. and so went right from high school to the Korean War, and um, and was diving down for for um, for bombs, and then um, they got there before I think the Rangers got there, um, and then after the war he came back and um, got accepted um, under scholarship um, to play at San Jose State. Uh, and so, and he couldn't afford to, so he had to go wherever the school was that, that, um, would give him a scholarship. And so he played football, um, and he also ran track, um, but he was a wide receiver. And at the time, um, Dick Vermeil was on his team and, uh, he and Dick are good friends. And then, um, and, uh, and then, uh, Bill Walsh was the assistant coach at San Jose State. So this is before Bill went to Stanford and then went to the Niners. And so Bill was his assistant coach, so he played. And then, and and um, and you know, my dad died when the Ravens and Niners, um, the year um, the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Mm. Well, um, uh, the Super Bowl is going on, and he's actually in a, in a um, in kind of a coma. Um, he had a bleed in his brain, and so I called the hospital and said, "Hey, you know, can you please turn on the game?" And and yeah. again, my dad played under Bill Walsh. My father and and um, and uh, and our family are, are massive Niner fans and Raider fans, and yeah. you know, and here his beloved Raiders are, are uh, sorry Niners are playing his daughter's Ravens, <laughs> and so and he's a Ravens fan for sure too, and so um, and so basically Super Bowl gets over, and four days later I get a call from his doctor and said he's 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 not doing it anymore, so mm-hmm. we we had a straight you know he basically stayed alive to watch me win the Super Bowl, and then he passed. Um, he passed that Thursday morning. So, um, and then what was really even more crazy and random was that, you know, after when a parent dies, you're, you're getting all their stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, some reason I found his yearbooks and out of his high school yearbook, um, falls a draft letter from the Baltimore Colts. What? And I work for the Ravens. So my dad's Baltimore Colts draft letter from Keith Molesworth with the 37 stamp is sitting there. And I had, and he never, he never turned it in. So he was, I knew he was drafted by yeah. um, at the time the LA team, but I didn't know he was drafted by Baltimore. Yeah. And so um, I, it was just, and, and of course Jeff knew, my husband knew. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so you, both of you failed to tell me any of this. So it was kind of a, a neat, a neat closure to him. Um, but to be drafted by two NFL teams, but mind you, this is 57 and they were still wearing leather helmets. Mm. And, you know, and so then what happened back then is that you were drafted, but then if you didn't make the team, you had to find your way back home, which, you know, is tough. And then secondly, you had to find a job there. Remember it was a weekend sport. You had to have a full-time job to even live. Mm. Yeah. Far away from the, the days of uh, Broadway Joe, where he was getting 400 grand. That was back in the day. My God. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and that is it like with the small farm teams here, you know, we have the gamblers here mm. and, um, and it's a small um, arena league and, uh, and farm team. And, you know, we try to help those guys find jobs when they come here and same yeah. with, you know, like the European leagues and the Canadian leagues. And so it's, you know, it's tough. Yeah. And I mean, <sighs> Talk about the a very very tragic situation with your dad. I'm really sorry to hear that, but I'm oh, so glad okay. that he got to see you succeed the way you did with being the VP in the Ravens by being them your team to reach the pinnacle of the Super Bowl. What makes Gabriel Valdez now leave Baltimore and go to Green Bay after 
because you're on top of the world, right? I mean, what causes that move to happen? Sure. Well, a couple things. Um, the opportunity came about, and actually, Jeff, my husband, found it. So my husband's from the state of Wisconsin, and um, and he's he his family lives right out Port Washington, which is right outside of um, Milwaukee, yeah. and the family farm is here, and so that's in Fond du Lac, and then his sister lives in La Crosse, and the other one's in Chicago. So, and then his entire family bleeds green and gold. So he, 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 you know, listens to your podcast. He listens to all sorts of stuff and reads all sorts of stuff. So we got an RSS feed that, um, um, the person, um, uh, the, the marketing person here left and said, reach out to Mark. And that's exactly what I did. So, um, and, uh, and obviously coming here, a one, um, family. And, yeah. uh, that was the number one reason. Number two, working for Mark Murphy, Mm. Um, in this stage in my career or any stage in your career, you get to a point where you're just like, okay, I, I, I really need to believe in the person that, you know, that is, is, is either my boss or is leading this organization yeah. and buy into that. Um, number three, the brand is, is well known and I did my homework and, and which was actually very easy. Um, I mean, I spoke to people at the league, I, you know, um, all, did all my homework and, um, and it was just a fabulous opportunity, but the number one was really to be near family. Yeah. And uh and aside from my husband's entire family um are Green Bay Packers fans, <laughs> which is phenomenal. And so I often joke with him because I don't think he's in the will anymore. I am. <laughs> so so it's it's a lot of fun there, but um um yeah, um, and and you know, and then when I walked in the door and I understand understood what this brand means and you see the fan base from afar, to be honest with you, at other yeah. teams. But um, but really, until you get here, you don't get it. Until you come as an opposing team to a game, you you really don't understand the community of fans that that is here and why generations and generations of of, of fans have stayed with us over the even the bad years. Yeah, like we experience it. You know, I mean, being from out of towners and. You know, sometimes I, I feel that Americans sometimes get a bad rap with like in soccer over here and they get sort of like, oh, why do you like soccer? You don't understand the game. And we expected the same from American fans. And it's it could be further from the truth. I mean, Green Bay people welcome us in when we're there. Camera crews follow us oh, around. Yeah. But the, it's tra it's the tradition. I mean, Ireland's an old place. You know, if you look out into the fields, you can see centuries of old walls that have been built by hand. And it's that history element that we love. And it's goosebump stuff when you go to Lambeau Field. It's it's incredible, and that's helped by you, Gabrielle, and all that you do for the fans, um, around the stadium. But I want to pick your brain about one thing, and this is something that sort of fascinates me, and something that I don't think that I can comprehend or understand. But from the outside looking in, you know, the the players are male. All of the you know the owners are seen as you know we see the Jerry Jones, and we see all these you know. Uh, rich male owners and they're parading around you know and th th down to the referees and, and all the rest and there's a big fanfare that was made when we had a female coach and I think she had some connection with the UK as well which was fantastic what mm -hmm. has that challenge been like for you I mean has it been just incredibly hard to crack into an industry that is seen as all male or is that is that an incorrect perception to have looking in and that there is sort of equal opportunity i mean how how was your journey uh, in this industry actually my journey has been has been i've been very lucky um and i don't i don't think i, I was never i never felt 
I didn't get hired for a position that I applied for. And, and gosh, I mean, I've applied for so many positions, um, mm. especially when you're starting out. And uh, and then, you know, as you advance in your career, you kind of pick and choose. And all right, this is to fit. Who's this person? Like I said, understanding who Mark Murphy was was a really big deal for me. Yeah. So because um, I came off from the Ravens working for Dick Cass, who's another incredible president, upstanding human being that I learned from on a, on a daily basis. So I was really looking for that kind of leader or mentor that could could help me grow. Uh, so I've never ever thought that, oh, my gosh, I didn't I didn't get that job because. I wasn't a man or mm. um, got looked over because I wasn't a man. Uh, the only times I think I've gotten looked over is because I didn't work in sales versus marketing. Like if you asked me what I would tell my 25-year-old self, go into sales. Really? Um, ticket sales, sponsorship sales, uh, because that experience, building revenue and, be, and and growing revenue is a big deal in our industry. And I would say that would be my only my only speed bump. But um, but in terms of women, in, you know, um, it's a lot easier in other in hockey. It was it was very easy in hockey. I mean, the team is much smaller. Um, it's you know, it's more again the number of players really because you kind of get to know the individual players and their families. Um, whereas you know the NFL, the teams are very large, um, and uh, and so. Um, you don't, you know, it is if you if your offices are not near the facility or not near them, you don't interact with them as much. And then different teams are, you know, have different setups and whatnot. So, um, but I, I never feel like, I mean, you know, if you look in the PR department, there are women. If you look in the public affairs department, community outreach, there's 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 female. In mm-hmm. fact, there's a number of female leaders, and you know, and they're walking them into the into the locker room in the football areas, going, hey. You come with me. We got to go do this um, <laughs> signing, or we gotta we gotta get this taken care of for the community, and and yeah. they have to be pretty tough, you know. Mm. Kathy Dorick, our director of community outreach. I mean, you know, when she tells me Gabrielle jump, I go how high? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need me to jump because she is so she has to be so on it. So yeah. I think my advice to 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 women in this industry and to men is it's just you you know it's so funny you just got to work hard. Mm. You got to work harder than you think you need to. And if you're not, if you don't, if you think you're already working hard, you got to work harder. Mm. And so, and then work smart. So, um, you know, there, so for example, as, as, as a parent, and, and as you know, this, um, you know, I, I could come in, I have to come, I have to work on the weekends and I have to get my, my job done. But, but so, you know, Jeff and I look at each other and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to work from home, but I'm going to work. Mm. And so I feel like I'm still there and they see me and they can talk to me and I can look away or step away from my laptop and, and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, on school nights and sports, my phone's away. Yeah. So I try to, I try to put it aside. I try to put the computer uh, um, and my cell phone, my cell phone doesn't even come into my bedroom because if we're reading or it's time with them, you know, I need to focus and be in its quality. So it's that, that work-life balance is tough with, with this industry, but I think, um, and I think that's hard for a lot of female executives is that we put so much pressure because on ourselves because, you know, we're doing the laundry and we're cooking and we're doing all these different things and not that men don't do the same thing. Yeah. But um, but we just take it on our, ourselves that you know that it's hard because we want to be the mom too. Yeah. And so. Well, well, certainly, Gabrielle. I mean, I I have two sons. Uh, I don't have a daughter, but if I did have a daughter, I think you would be a fantastic role model. We we've been to Packers meetups and we have uh, female fans that come to those religiously. And uh, one of the girls, Martina, just couldn't speak highly enough of you. She spoke with you at the London meetup and she held you up as kind of an inspiration. Oh, yeah. 
Um, uh, so oh. Martina thinks an awful lot of you, uh, as do we all. And from spending time around you and around your family, I mean, you're the super mom, you're yeah. the super wife, you're the super worker. Mark Murphy it comes out in the media and talks about you and, and, and talks about how, you know, your record's exemplary, what you've done for the pro shop and for the fans has been fantastic. And certainly, you know, heading up the UK Packers with Ryan, we've always felt like, did you take us seriously as well as everybody else? And I mean, look at some of the achievements that you've done for the fan base with uh, in the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't you create that female-only fan grouping, Purple, which had 25,000 uh, members at one stage? Um, do, you, do you feel that's such a big issue in Green Bay or do you feel that the, the female fan base is just ridiculously large in Green Bay because everybody buys into it? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't think... Um we need to, to create a women's club here. What we need to do is, is, is unite and, and grow the fan base from, you know, all over the world. And, and so I, I'm actually, I'm just not looking at our state. I'm looking at the U S and, and Europe and, and like, you know, how do we take it on the world? And, uh, and that's, and that's where we need to go next. And then, um, and I, you know, and, and, and the next question is your, your kids, generation Z, yeah. How are we talking to them? Mm. Because right now, the way they consume sports is completely different than the way you and I, and I'm older than you, a decade older. So, I mean, it is, it is, it is completely different. And what are we doing to make sure that, that they are attending the games? Mm. Because they receive, they engage in, in sports completely different. They're, they're, you know, they, they follow Cam Newton, my nine-year-old does, because he dabs. Yeah. Well, the last time I checked, the Panthers were not paying my mortgage. The Green Bay Packers <laughs> were, and so, but he doesn't care. Yeah. He's not based on team. He's based on individuals. So that NBA model is kind of coming in. But then I, I have to learn more about because he's at higher end of the Generation Z. Your young ones, what are they going to do? How are they going to consume sports mm. on all their devices? They won't even know what cable is. Yeah. <laughs> they won't. Everything will be, you know, over the top. Well, look, you're the perfect person to talk about this because you teach at, and it's perfectly um, ideal, at St. Norbert College, um, sports marketing and innovation. So you have your finger on the pulse on all of this. And I have so many questions that I'd love to pick your brain on. I feel like if I ask you too many, you're going to start charging me for it, right? Because you're a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> but let, let's just stay on that. That's a perfect segue. Gabrielle, how, how do you deal with being the head of marketing for an organization and having to deal with social media that keeps on changing? Vine came in, then it went away and died. We've Facebook Live, we've Facebook itself, we've Twitter, we've Snapchat, which is looks like it you know could be on its last legs depending on what the market feels of it. We've Instagram stories, we've podcasts. Like, how do you focus all of those efforts and stay on top of something? Because if the Packers want to get into the brand new social media, they have to build from the ground up, right? They have to get their followers all over again and keep changing with the times. Is that one of the most challenging things about the job? Actually, no, it's not. It's actually because we don't jump into something. Mm. Um, we literally will look at the landscape. And so, um, and, you know, and again, we kind of have the philosophy that if you're going to have the baby, you got to take care of it and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and grow it and build it till it goes to college and then it's off and running. <laughs> so, um, so, so basically we're never the first to, to innovate. And, and I think um, that that's been a great kind of philosophy for the test of time for this organization. So for example, connected TV, which we were just talking about earlier was that um, uh, we are launching that in September. And so yeah. we'll launch that on, on, um, 
is it Roku or Roku? I always say this wrong. Um, and uh, um, Amazon Fire Stick, and then if you have a smart TV, the app will come up, which is great for our fans. So basically, though, a year before, uh, the Cowboys did it and the Ravens did it. And so we watched. And then we had long conversations with them when their seasons were over about how successful things were. Yeah. And and you know and and again everyone's always considered concerned about ROI, um, and that wasn't the case for both of those teams. They're they're not there. We didn't do it to to you know sell a sponsor to it and and you know earn revenue. No, we did it because it was the future and the wave of the future and that where connected TV can go and where our fans can see our shows and see our content. Um, you know, and, and do it freely and easily. And so that is kind of where we headed. So we'll, we'll sit back and watch and go, oh, well, that that team's trying that. Maybe we'll stick our thumb in it and see what happens or dip our toe and, and, uh, and test the waters. And so so something like that for, I mean, we were, I think, the, the last team to, um, I can't remember which platform we launched. Um, it was Snapchat. Mm. And right away we shot up to like number seven or five. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's a testament to our fans. But um, but you know, you know that. I mean, you have to keep up with Snapchat. And so, poor Ryan Hartwig. There's one person in our social media department, and he's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, and you you know him well. But um, yeah. but I think so. We just take things slowly and we examine them. Now, um, but I'm I'm always reading about new technology. So I don't, I don't, you know, and where where Amazon's going with um, the Echo. Yeah. So what the um, uh, hockey team in D.C. has done with them um, is fantastic. The Capitals mm. has done with them is really neat. And so, you know, I try to stay ahead of what's going on and, and where teams are going. And then the next evolution is e-gaming and what the, what the um, crafts are doing with that. Yeah. And where they're taking that, you know. So yeah, we're always learning, but we move slowly to make sure that it's a calculated move and the right move for our brand. Yeah, because correct me if I'm wrong, right, just there's a number of factors that are pretty unique in Green Bay. One of them is that, you know, we don't have a rich owner. So one misstep, I mean, mm-hmm. there's massive ramifications. And as the head of marketing and with, like you said about your son, right, he likes to dab. And I suppose the temptation is there for media companies to do something that catches attention and, you know, some of that can be risky and some people have got themselves into trouble. Is that a daily worry for you that something will go out on the likes of social media that won't be taken up as it was intended and that there'll be some blowback from that? Is it, is it pretty nerve wracking? Uh, you know, it, it can be, especially during playoffs. Mm. And so uh, like, remember not this season, but last season, the season before uh, relax. Yeah. And everyone wanted to jump on the relax bandwagon. And so, you know, you just – I called the NFL and said, hey, can you we're, – we're not, you know, <laughs> if we get to the big game, absolutely. But right now, let's hold off. Um, we, we're not, we have nothing to relax about right now except to, to win. <laughs> and so, so when we get to the, 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 the golden goose, you know, then I have no problem with everybody. Um, but, you know, there was a ton of merchandise and people were, were talking about it and, and doing all that. But we did not do anything internally. And then the NFL um, graciously agreed to hold off um, our, their licensees and, and wait to see where yeah. it went. And again, it, you know, it didn't happen and it would have been a little bit embarrassing. So I think it's also just seeing what's out there and, and planning ahead. Um, but, but fast, fast curves, you know, fastballs always happen 
and uh and I guess if you you know been around a long time you kind of just okay let's let's you know you I mean stuff has bitten us in the butt and uh and whether it was this team or the Ravens or the Panthers or the Lakers you know you just learn and, and move forward yeah, and we're certainly not going to dredge up anything on the podcast. Uh, not that oh, I know yeah, of any. Okay. Not that I know of any. Um, so, look, dealing with fans uh, is a complex sport. On game day, you know, there's there's a pile of smoke behind you while you're running around doing various things. And you've presided over some pretty successful seasons in Green Bay, albeit, you know, we haven't got to, got to the Super Bowl in, in your time here. But this season was different and this season we didn't make the postseason we had we got it uh, in the neck and fans were pretty annoyed and they were ranting over this that and the other how did this season differ for you from a fan engagement perspective i mean did you have to deal with an awful lot of irate fans and is it incredibly difficult to try drum up support in a team uh you know that we know didn't you know wasn't going to make the the postseason what were the challenges in that this year what was it tough it was in a sense that that um well first of all we can do nothing about an injury yeah. um but um the anthem the anthem issue i think um we worked really hard to to try to to, to showcase all the good things we do for our servicemen and women yeah. um so and we have some even cooler ideas so what i i think the goal of what, or what i want to say is that it was a tough season, but you all, we learned from it. We learned so much. There was so much planning going on right now. Not only are we celebrating our 100th season, but because of the fans being unhappy and because of what happened on the field, we, are, we even have spent the last month reexamining our game day experience mm. and what that means to our fans and, and what they're seeing on the boards and what, you know, what traditions we hold true, like jump around or, or roll out the barrel. Yeah. Um, and so, so we, we, we sat down and we've examined everything and we have some really cool and neat things coming up. And, and, uh, and you might not even notice because it just, you know, it just looks easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and other stuff that, that um, is going to be big and splashy. And uh, and the one thing we do is we listen to what our fans say because there's, there's different um, surveys that are given out from the NFL gives out voice to the fan and we do our own surveys and, and they never overlap. So you're only going to receive one if you're a season ticket holder. Um, and basically, you know, we look at their comments and go, okay, what are they complaining about? What do they want? You know, how can we fix this? How can we be better? How can we improve? Yeah. So I think take last last season, and we blessed it. We moved on, but we learned from it. And we really have some really neat things um, that we're excited to to move forward with, and and we're already on the next season. So, I mean, we're turning a hundred next year, and yeah. uh, and so we have we have some really great plans, and um, we're very excited about it. And I mean, the the fan day experience is just something to behold. It unbelievable. It's almost as fun as the game when we go over every year. Uh, you know, you're an awful lot of that falls at your feet with Get Loud Lambo. Um, we see an, a big uptake even on this side of the pond with Green and Gold Friday. What are some of the initiatives that you've put in place that have been really, really fun to do and have been more successful than you can imagine? Well, I mean, those two right there have been a, been a lot of fun. Um, uh, I think what we've done for the community, we do the quarterback challenge which, I um, mean, you have to come to a game to kind of see their local QBs play. Yeah. And uh, and so, and all the money goes back to the high schools. That's been a lot of fun. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, those were some, some big ones, uh, big ones. Packer Fan Pass. Now, mm-hmm. you weren't here during camp. And so, I challenged Joan, that was three years ago, and said, do you see how many people visit Lambeau from spring break 
which is the beginning of March until September, who are those people? They don't have a game day ticket. I don't know who they are. And so um, for training camp, we created Packers Fan Pass. So the idea came from the NFL and my travels at Super Bowl, and the NFL has the NFL uh, mobile pass. Mm. And basically um, it's this really neat app that you have on your phone, and you can interact with all the different things that are going on and uh, and moves you around the NFL experience. So we adopted that technology, and we're working through that now. Um, and we we started it last year at training camp, and so basically we know who you are, we know where you're going, and you're collecting rewards and prizes um, for being here, and we're thanking you for being a fan. So, um, so that's that was a great launch and and a, and a fun hit, um, and so we hope that'll get bigger next year. Um, but but our I mean, there's that those three are pretty fun. I don't know. I mean. Billy Joel came and we had a great time then. <laughs> I booked that. I mean, who knows? I mean, we do a lot of things I don't even think about. So, but but uh, but you know, I just we have great teams that that do support our ideas and 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 move things forward. So that's been fun. And one of the best things, actually, the first time I went into this, I got overwhelmed and left, and then I had to go back the next day. The Packer Pro Shop. This is your baby <laughs> as well. Um, and it's changed a lot and the, the online sales stuff is good. And a big question that we get asked by uh, air fan base here in Europe is about, you know, the expense to get stuff over. And it's not as expensive as it was, right? It, it's it's an awful lot cheaper. It used to be like, you know, $50, $60 to get stuff over, but it's much cheaper than that. Can you talk us through the pro shop and, I mean, what changes have went on there, especially for kind of the European fan when they're ordering stuff? Yeah, well, first, I can't take full credit for that beautiful store. In fact, I can't take any credit for that beautiful store. That actually um, remodel happened before I got here and opened when I started. So um, all those employees deserve all that credit credit down there. Um, but in terms of, of getting product to, to Europe, you know, we in the past, we had to charge a flat rate, you know, and, and, and we're just really cautious of fraud. Um, and then we also get all your country taxes and, and you know, and, and different add-ons that happen per country. And, and so that bulk price came about because of that. And now we're working with iParcel um, and, uh, and to help us ensure. So um, when you go on to um, PackersProShop.com, um, your because it recognizes the site recognizes your cookies is coming from you know Ireland and, and England, they're gonna um, recalibrate and you'll be sent to um, our international site and that international site will um, will give you pricing in your dollar and um, and then also we've lowered the costs significantly because we're working through iParcel that kind of checks if you're legal, checks your fraud, knows all the different. Um, codes and and taxes that need to be applied, so you're getting a true rate and uh, not a not a blanket price uh, for shipping from us. So um, we're excited about that, and I think it it is up and running. I'm pretty sure. I just um, or we're still getting the kinks out, and it'll be up soon. Well, it's a dangerous place to go, Gabrielle. I went in, and the boys. I think their college fund is going to be put off for another year. Uh, after going to the pro shop because it is addictive I've got my Green Bay Packer runners on me right now but look I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours but like we said uh, you're an incredibly busy woman Um, but the last topic that I'd like to hit on is something that we got and I'm going to put the comments to you and I d we don't necessarily think that they're true, true but maybe you can sort sure. of shed some light on it right is that the Packers playing in London uh, I think we get disappointed every year when the Packers don't play and a couple of the comments that we received in was 
you know, the Packers don't care about the European fans, that they don't come over. And I think we tried to set the record straight to say, look, the Packers, you know, you guys tried to come over here. Well, you've said that, you you know, you'd like to come over here. Can you can you set the record straight? I mean, what is the... I don't know if you can what you can tell us about the process or anything like that, but what is the appetite for the Packers to get here? Do the Packers want to play in London? The Packers absolutely would love to play an away game in London. Mm. Absolutely would. Um, and so what happens is that the Packers, we travel so well when we go to another team. So um, we played in Jacksonville last year with the Jags. I was their op- home opener. And um, the revenue that they received from our fans traveling, um, you know, basically surmounts um, them playing us in Europe. So teams will make more money with us going to their home stadium Mm. than if they travel to Europe. And so with that being said, um, we travel well. And and so um, owners are a little leery to give up, you know, the home game. Yeah, and uh, and we would love to, but we will not give up a home game here. Um, too much depends on uh, our city, depends on our games, as you know, and yeah. um, and the livelihood of of all the people who live here, being such a small town, um, and and the surrounding areas as well. So, uh, so we just kind of have to wait and see who we who you know where it goes down the road. We will not be there obviously this year, and so. Um, but we would absolutely love to play over there, and, and when we do, it's it's going to be huge, and uh, and we will we will host pep rallies, and and we will be in the community, and we will be we will be a big force over there. So we can't wait to get there, as a matter of fact. But um, but there's 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 um, other owners here that would love to see us at their stadium. Yeah, and I, I think that's what we sort of that's how we felt uh, the process worked. Is yeah. that you know it has to be a two way street. So look, or, or we pray that it's next year. We pray, pray, pray. <laughs> uh, we'll be going down to all of the parishes around uh, the UK and Ireland. Um, but look, Gabrielle, thanks very much for for coming on. It's always great to talk to you. I'd love to have you on again uh, tomorrow if I could. <laughs> but I'd love to have you <laughs> to have a regular uh, weekly segment. Uh, Gabrielle Valdez Dow talks UK Packers. Um, but look, I've got so many more questions to ask you. I might enroll in Saint Norbert on your course uh, to try and get some of those answers. <laughs> but uh, the Queen of Green Bay, as we call you, you don't call yourself uh, the Vice President of Marketing and Fan Engagement, Gabrielle Valdez Dow. Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Take care.